Good day, my friends, and welcome to another moment, a Black History Moment with Bo. And I am Bo, straight out of Akron, Ohio. And I'm here today to tell you some truth and tell you some facts. And I hope today is going to be a marvelous day for you. And I just want to tell you, there are three things you can never recover in life. The word after it's said, the moment after it's missed, and the time after it's gone. So enjoy this day, my friends. Share love with your family and laughter with your friends. Because we can't always choose the music life plays for us but we can choose how we dance to it. And I want to say congratulations to LeBron. I always knew that he would be a great one, not because of his scoring or playing ability, because he married into a family that I hold dear to my heart, a family that I think of as part of my family. The Brinsons and I have been intertwined for over 60 years. So shout out to 8-5. You know who you are. And this show is dedicated to you, my friend. My friends, one day you will tell your story of how you overcame what you went through. And it will be someone else's survival guide. Let's slip into darkness and learn something about the Bisbee Riot. The Bisbee Riot happened on July the 3rd, 1919, and it was between the Black Buffalo Soldiers of the 10th Cavalry and members of the local police forces in Bisbee, Arizona. In 1919, Bisbee had a population of about 20,000, and it was about 10 miles north of the Mexican border, and it was home to white, black, Hispanic, Asian, and Native Americans. Now, the economy of Bisbee was set by the extraction of copper oil from local mines. And when the demand for copper declined following the end of World War I, many of the miners in town became unemployed. The people of Bisbee were known for the way they mistreated the miners, many of whom were immigrants and minorities. And they did whatever they could to suppress union organizing. In 1917, posses of Bisbee people along with the policemen, had rounded up hundreds of miners, put them on a train, and deported them to New Mexico. Now, after that deportation, the federal government began watching Bisbee authorities, and the case was working its way through the court when the riot occurred. You see, Bisbee was a white man's mining camp and highly race-conscious. They had rules prohibiting Mexican men from working underground in the mines because this work paid higher, and it was reserved for Welsh and Cornish immigrant miners. 
Chinese immigrants were not allowed to stay in town overnight, and blacks were limited to low-skilled jobs such as janitors. Now, as it goes, Fort Huachuca was located about 35 miles west of Bisbee, and soldiers from the fort still made their way to town. Its main street and red-light district, Brewery Gulch, was lined with brothels, saloons, and gambling halls, and notorious throughout the West. It was said that there were several thousand people there, and it was the busiest place you ever saw. Now, this is the way that I gathered this. On July the 3rd, 1919, the 10th Cavalry arrived in Bisbee from Fort Hachuca to march in the Independence Day Parade the next day. And while the regiment's white officers were attending a prearranged dance, the Buffalo soldiers went to Upper Brewery Gulch, where the Silverleaf Club was located. Boy, that brings back memories of the Silverleaf Club in Akron. According to the police, many of these black soldiers were seen carrying their automatic service pistols, not visible, but concealed. So what the police chief, James Kenton, and Officer William Sherwell thought they would do would be to disarm the black soldiers and tell them they could retrieve their weapons from the police station after they had left town. Now, one of the white officers told the lawmen that the military allowed soldiers to carry their sidearms. If Kempton didn't object, Kempton said that he did mind. So allegedly, the officer ordered the tense troopers not to leave camp armed. Some of the soldiers ignored this, if they were aware of it at all. So later that night, George Sullivan, a white military policeman, that's an MP, from the 9th Infantry got into a fight with five drunken black soldiers outside of the club. And according to him, he exchanged hostile words with the soldiers who drew their revolvers, hit him on the head, and took his weapon. And of course, several white citizens of Bisbee came to Sullivan's aid and validated the report of the encounter. Several black soldiers went to the police station and reported the incident to Chief Kempton. And he advised the soldiers to turn over their weapons, but they refused. After the blacks left the station, the chief began to assemble a posse to disarm all the Negroes they could find. Now, one of the people that Kempton enlisted was Cochise County Deputy Sheriff Joseph Hardwick, who was from Oklahoma and had once served time for manslaughter. And after he got out, he had moved his family to Arizona, settling in Cochise County. It was said that he shot and killed a Mexican ranch ham for allegedly assaulting his daughter. And not long after that, Hardwick, who had once worked as a lawman in Washington state, was hired as an officer with the Bisbee Police Department. He had worked with the James Kempton, then served as sergeant with the police. He accepted a commission as a deputy sheriff under Sheriff James McDonald and for the next several months helped patrol the more remote regions of Cochise County in nearby Douglas, Arizona. 
Now, when they attempted to disarm the black federal soldiers, those men weren't having it. And a street battle began, and it lasted for over an hour. Deputized white civilians participated in the fighting, but there wasn't much evidence that Bisbee local residents played any significant role because most of the whites involved were documented as city police officers or Cochise County sheriffs and deputies. But still, over a hundred shots were fired, and the fighting ended around midnight when 50 of the Buffalo soldiers surrendered to the police, and the remaining Buffalo soldiers were put on horses and told to ride back to their camp at Warren, escorted by two police cars. Now here's the kicker, my friends. Shortly after the column headed out, five soldiers who had stayed behind began arguing with some of the officers. And this deputy, Joe Hardwick, who had been reported as a gunman, pulled out his revolver and shot one of the soldiers in the lung. At least eight people were seriously wounded in total. Four of the Buffalo soldiers were shot, two were beaten, a deputy sheriff was severely injured, and a Mexican-American bystander was struck in the head by a stray bullet. In the Army's official report of the incident, it was stated that the local officials had planned deliberately to aggravate the Negro troops so they would furnish an excuse for police and deputy sheriffs to shoot them down. The Bureau of Investigation stated that many of the soldiers were absolutely innocent, but they were roughly handled and seriously injured due largely to the activity of Deputy Sheriff Joe Hardwick, who had a reputation of being a gunman and who on this occasion almost completely lost his head. And it seems the Bureau of Investigation agents had been surveilling industrial workers of the world activity in Bisbee as the federal government was worried about union organizing. And they reported that representatives of the IWW were coaching the Buffalo soldiers on what to expect from Bisbee authorities, telling them about the deportation in 1917 and suggesting that conflict was imminent. As it was, none of the Buffalo soldiers were seriously punished for the fighting, at least not by the Army. The 10th Cavalry was permitted to march in the Independence Day Parade under close watch by white U.S. cavalrymen who had been sent to patrol the streets and prevent further conflict. And the Buffalo soldiers later returned to Fort Hachuca and their lives were unfazed by the events of July the 3rd. It seems the Bisbee fighting covered nationally brought to the forefront America's conflicting feelings about blacks participating in the war, World War I. Whites demanded black loyalty, but never trusted it. Joe Hardrick, strongly criticized for his actions, returned to Douglas. Later, he was involved in an altercation apparently stemming from the Bisbee riots, and he was soon transferred to Tombstone, Arizona. A few months later, Hardwick turned in his badge and accepted a commission as a 
Penal County Deputy Sheriff. In March 1920, Hardwick killed a knife-wielding subject in the town of Superior, Arizona. Hardwick held a number of law enforcement jobs in Arizona for several more years and later became chief of police in Calexico, California. There he was known as the Czar of Calexico and engaged in a number of other shootings. His career as a lawman ended after he shot and wounded an unarmed produce dealer from Los Angeles. That, my friends, was the Bisbee Riot. Now, this incident was unusual for being between police and military. While most riots during the red summer of 1919 involved wide-scale white rioting against blacks, both sides, civilians. My friends, they say to heal a wound, you need to stop touching it. But I will never stop touching the wounds that this country has put on our people. And you hear people say, someday it's going to be better. But someday is not a day of the week. And it hasn't got any better. It's just got redirected, reprogrammed. And if you expect whiteness to be fair with you because you try to be fair with them, that's like expecting the lion not to eat you because you don't eat lion. My friends, that's my music. That's my cue. That's the light going off telling me that I have to get out of here. But before I go, I have this one thought for you. It worked like a charm. After murdering, enslaving, and raping millions of us, then brutally converting us into Christians, told us that God was white and that if we ever wanted to meet him, we had to forgive everything that they did to us. And guess what? We did. Have a great day, my friend. And remember, when you talk, you are only repeating what you already know. But if you listen, you may learn something new. Until next time, it has been my honor 